If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. For the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Please be sure to do so, so you don't miss an episode. Newsmaking interviews with your favorite and biggest names in rock and metal each and every Thursday. As I tell you every week, the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast all originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and is heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Faction Talk. That's Sirius XM Channel 103. You can also get it on the Sirius XM app on demand anytime you want. If you're not already a subscriber to Sirius XM and you live in the U.S. or Canada, please come on board and join us for daily rock talk and interviews live, interactive, call in. We have a lot of fun. You're only getting a tiny taste of what I do on the radio Every day, if you're only listening to this podcast at Eddie Trunk on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page in the U.S. Hope everybody had a good Labor Day weekend last weekend. And if you're listening to this on post day, it's uh, almost a national holiday if you're a fellow football fan, because it is kickoff night tonight. So enjoy the games. And uh, I am very much looking forward to football season, although being a baseball fan and a Mets fan. I've got some excitement still in the baseball world. So good time for sports. Enjoy. And again, I appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, What we have for you this week is a great interview that made a ton of news around the world and various things that this gentleman said on various platforms that sourced this interview. Uh, It's Corey Taylor, of course, lead singer of Slipknot, Stone Sour, and now with a solo career. As many of you know, I have a part-time home in Las Vegas, which now has a full audio-video radio studio. And Corey has been a Vegas resident for, I think, about 10 years now. Finally tracked him down around his busy schedule. He came in and sat in with me for almost the entire two-hour show just about a week and a half, two weeks ago. By the way, if you are a SiriusXM subscriber, there is full video of this interview on the SiriusXM app. If it's not there yet, it will be soon. We had a great chat about the new Slipknot record, the recent touring, the Pantera stuff, the solo stuff, Stone Sour. Great stuff from a guy that I've known for many, many years. Great guy and uh, 
just always great to sh- to shoot the shit and talk rock with. So let's get to it right now. About 90 minutes with Corey Taylor. Here we go on this week's podcast. We've always had some great guests here in the Vegas studio, and uh, this is a guy I've been trying to track down for a little bit ever since I had the place, because not only am I told he's almost walking distance from me, but, uh, you know, I love talking rock with him and love talking about his various bands, and he's a super busy guy, but we found a great window here to get him in, and Corey Taylor is with us. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, man. Yeah, finally, we've we've lined, like, our times lined up. Like, I was literally just in Europe, so this is like... This is, yeah. This yeah. Is I tried time. to, I texted you earlier and then I realized you were in Europe when I looked right. at the schedule. Right. And then last week I did something in uh, LA, a big special with Megadeth. Right. Who are in your management roster. Right. Right. So I was talking to your manager and I said, uh, yeah, I said, I'm in Vegas. And he said, well, the record's coming for Slipknot. And I know. And he had told me, I think he said you're on tour with your wife at one point, right? She or- was out, yeah, for the first couple of weeks. Um, and then she flew back because she was getting ready for her tour. She's out within this moment right now. Talk and, about that uh, a minute, though, for people that don't know, because that's what I meant. Like, she's out on tour on yeah, her own thing, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. And I yeah. know they opened for you when you did your solo thing. Right. But but for people that don't know, tell tell people what your wife's her band da- is. Her, or, uh, or, I mean, for lack of a better term right now, we'll just call it dance troupe. It, it's so much more than that. They're called the Cherry Bombs. They, they, they do choreography, but they also do silks. They do firework. They do uh, really cool, like like angle sparks. Like I mean, it's really kind of like Cirque meets Jim Rose sideshow with a with with some some sexy women thrown in there for good luck, you know. And it's just one of the raddest shows I've ever seen, you know. And uh, yeah, we've we've toured together many times with uh, with CMFT. Uh, they actually opened. One of the tours that we did with Stone Sour with uh, Steel Panthers, so they've been doing it a, a while. They've been, I think, it's coming up on ten years, and they're opening the the in this moment tour right now. That's out out with uh, Nothing More and Sleep Token, and but they also do a whole set with In This Moment. Like oh, wow. during their set, yeah. So they're so not that's only a pretty theatrical they, band. I've seen very, them. Maria yeah. comes out and let's rise and they have added even more to that show like alicia went out and like choreographed like all this cool stuff for her set as well and put together like all this really great stuff that just augments what in this moment's doing anyway so it's it's cool like so she does her set and then you know sleep token and and nothing more do their thing and then they come back out within this moment and like it's a, it's a whole production so they're actually in red rocks tonight I believe for the DVD. I hope I'm not giving too much away, but I think in this moment, is. yeah, in this moment is, yeah. So, so it's yeah. I I know they're I know they're filming a live DVD like at some point. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. So that's what my wife's doing. Did you did you meet her through that, or was she doing it before you met, or we, did you actually see that band and then you guys connected? No, that well, we had known each other or troop. I know it's not a band. But. Yeah, but I mean, we had known each other kind of off and in passing. You know, um, we had run into each other at shows backstage in like Atlanta because uh, that's where she was living at the time. She was a she was a, a cheerleader for the Falcons. Uh, for like three or four, it's something like that, and then she started the cherry bombs and started kind of putting that together. So in passing, we kind of knew each other through that. And then when I was putting together the tour that we ended up doing with with Steel Panther, I wanted something 
different and unique for that tour. Right. And that's when she and I started talking on a professional level. And lo and behold, at the time we were both single and we just hit it off and we started hanging out after the tour and we've been together ever since. I mean, it was just, it was pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. We were talking before about, you're saying how great it is that being able to just come here and do radio in, in a private place in Vegas like yeah. this, um, that it's also so cool because now so many people live in Vegas in the yeah. music community yeah. and that you were saying you were one of the first. What facilitated your move here initially? I moved here about 12 years ago with my ex-wife uh, because her a lot of her family is still based out of here. And at the time, it was cheaper than living in L.A., but you could hop in and out of L.A. super right. quick. You know, the, the Burbank secret that, I hope that everybody knows now. The JSX, that, yeah. the oh, best. Yeah. Just in and out. <laughs> you, you, you get your stuff done. And it's, it's rad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, was, it, it would just and it just made sense. You know, you got so much for your buck and it's a, it's a cool city if you're not like, you know, engulfed in the strip and, you know, losing your money that way because it's messy down there. But off the strip, it's rad. You know? That's the thing. When I, I've, I've loved this city since I first started coming here in the mid-'80s. It was right. always my favorite city. Right. And uh, when I told people I bought a place here and that I wanted to – and I do eventually want to live here full-time – they all said to me, like the perception from people is like, you must be a party animal, man. Right, you right. must be on, like swinging from the chandeliers and drunk every night and gambling. And, like, and I'm like, no, no, no. It, I, my eyes opened to Vegas right. and the idea of living here when I had friends that are actually from here. Mm -hmm. And when one time, instead of doing the Uber to the strip and then just go crazy for four days and fly home, yeah. I rented a car. Right. I was like, what are you renting a car for? I go, well, I'm going to get out and see a little bit. And I got friends that live in the Burbs. And I was like, my eyes open. I'm like, oh, th th it's, it's very similar to me. Um, I've lived in New Jersey my whole life, like 40 miles from Manhattan. Right, right. And the idea of me going to New York City or going to Times Square, going any of the tourist stuff is like, you got to like twist my arm a thousand right. times. Right. Zero interest. Yeah. So, so it's funny now having a place here. It's almost like, well, well where do you want to hook up? Where, hang out. Or you want to go to dinner? Uh, oh, the strip? Oh, yeah. you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> and like... that's that's my initial response. Uh, you have to, all four Beatles couldn't get me <laughs> to the strip to do anything. Like, for real. I, you know, this is the way I But it's nice it. that it's there if you want it. Like, right, I went to absolutely. dinner there the other day, in and out, do what you got to right. do. There's, so, and uh, there's great shows. And that it's 10 minutes away. There. It's absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. Right. It's like assuming that everyone in Orlando goes to disney it, it works at disneyland like it's like oh we're gonna go we're gonna go hey and it's, it's like wait a minute no the strip is about that big compared to vegas which yeah. is quite big you right know? right and it's you know they don't realize that there's like so many different things there's enterprise there's henderson there's like all these things that basically create the greater las vegas area and locals don't really go to the strip man like we just watch the mess and go enjoy have yeah, fun because yeah. you'll you know you're going to wake up in pain tomorrow but it's all good yeah no i still love going there but it's just you pick your spots and right, it's like exactly if you, it's there if you want it and it's it's awesome and even working down there i'm just like oh god we gotta play down there this is gonna suck where'd I, you play there last did you do brooklyn bowl with the solo thing no, we did. Uh, oh, you Slipknot played. Slipknot played uh, the T-Mobile, right? Grand Garden. Yeah, no, yeah. No, it wasn't no, T-Mobile. No. It was Grand Garden. MGM. Um, 
I think because they had something else going on there, but uh, it's the same. It's basically the same capacity. Right. And I'd actually seen, I saw uh, Motley there, which was rad. You know, that was a really cool, that that was on the first farewell tour. It was like, it was the penultimate (laughs) show too, because it was Vegas. And then they lay, the last show was in Los Angeles. Right. So I got to see like the second to last show before, you know, they, they stopped for a while. But it was in the same place. So when I walked in, I went, oh, I know this place. You know, right. like it was it was pretty cool. Right. Well, there's a lot to talk to you about, man. Beyond Now, we both should get a break on our taxes, given all this Vegas love a second ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no joke. that ain't happening. Um, but anyway, w- there's so much to talk about. Uh, I got to tell you, man, the what the what you did on the last Slipknot record was I probably that my favorite step you guys made in terms of just the the way you were singing the melody and the songs because right, right. you know me i like the more right. melodic stuff right I, i've only heard the three songs you put out so far from this yeah. record but i i truly can tell you i love them man and i love the way it's going and last night i watched the video for the first time to i guess the latest song oh, it, for yen. yen yeah yeah dude mind-blowing yeah not only the video but the song um, there, again, the, you're saying the, the the melody in it, and I know that's always been a signature of Slipknot. Right. The more extreme vo- vocal you do versus the clean vocal, but t- tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm just getting more used to it. But it sounds to me like you guys are injecting more melody in what you're doing. Am I right on that or well, no? It's a little bit, yeah. I mean, to, and this is the way I've kind of been ex- like describing it is this feels like a darker extension of what we kind of started to do with volume three, because by, by far volume three was our biggest departure. Like when we, when we put that out, it was so night and day from what Iowa was that people were like, you know, it took them by surprise. Iowa being know. the most considered the most extreme, probably record. the, the, the heaviest record right. we've ever be by far. Um, but, and, and the reason we did that was a, we knew we could do it and B we needed to do it. You know, just to set the standard, because if we kept trying to chase Iowa's tail, we'd we we would have worked ourselves into a corner and then later into obscurity. But we knew that we had so much more music wise to offer. And that's kind of what this album is, man. To me, it's kind of getting back to that. You know, for whatever reason, we kind of got off. We went down some different paths trying to kind of figure some stuff out. And obviously, you know, dealing with the losses that we've we dealt with musically it was important to kind of you know explore that and 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 handle that and kind of make peace with that kind of grief musically sure but this album feels like the natural heir to what we were starting with volume three which is experimental um a lot of melody but still hard hitting like there's some stuff oh yeah there's some stuff on this album even stuff that nobody's heard yet that is very signature Slipknot. There's some like there's a song H H three seven seven which is very heavy and really just attacks you. Um, but the cool thing is that there are some definite musical departures on this album. There's one, the one that everybody's been talking about is the one that Jay Weinberg called the bluesy one, right. which is actually to me more of like like a like a like a prog stoner rock vibe which is it's sludgy like it's it's very much in the realm of like a caius um acid bath it's and it's got that aggression 
And it's actually my homage to Acid Bath, to be honest, because they're one of my favorite bands. Not familiar with them. They're amazing. Uh, Really great band. They, unfortunately, they only put out two albums. Um, There was a death in the band, and uh, the the various factions kind of split up and kind of did their thing. Dax, Riggs, the singer, went on to do uh, something called Agents of Oblivion. He's probably one of the most underrated, underappreciated singers that ever was. And he's incredibly, um, incredibly uh, um, influential to people like me and to people who kind of came up in the first wave of of like American heavy metal, man. Because he just he did everything. He what did year? Did, the band's this not was ninety four. Oh, so they're, they're they're not in existence anymore. No, no, not anymore. Right. But, um, uh, and some of the guys went on to do uh, like some others. I mean, it was really, it was really great band, very, very underrated and underappreciated. Like I said, so it's it's kind of us, kind of wearing our influences on our sleeves, but also just branching out and kind of just doing what we want. Like we've kind of gotten to the point where we, it's just time for us to do that. You know, like there's there's times to write for the audience, and then there's times to write for yourself. And there's some risks on this album. Like, I'll put it like that. But to me, that's the, that's the awesome part is the fact that you, you put it out there and you let people decide for themselves. You know, there's some super, super melodic stuff on this that people are, are really going to trip on. Yeah, I, I think that uh, also the, the benefit and beauty of where Slipknot is at and what you guys have built is you've built such an audience and such a hardcore fan base and a massive fan base globally that I would think that at this point they know what the core of the band is and they're going to be along for that ride. I don't think you have to worry at this point of doing something too melodic or too sludgy or too stonery or too whatever because I think at this you've given them Iowa. You've given them uh, people just looking at the catalog can see the diversity in there. Right. That I think that that there's very few bands. Like I think a lot of bands are just worried about, hey, we got to make sure we give the red meat exactly what the fans right. want every record. Right. But do you feel that? Do you feel that your fans are really open to the ride creatively? What you guys want to do? No, absolutely. Yeah. You, or do you get people like they're fucking whipping out or they're you know? Well, I mean, well, first of all, fuck those people. I don't give a <laughs> shit about that. You know me. Um, I to me the beautiful thing is that we have different generations who are into us now you know like we're going on well i don't want to say three generations but definitely two who have been first record was what year 99 that's Jesus. 23 years ago yeah that that's exactly. crazy because 99 doesn't feel like 23 years i know <laughs> that, it's like that freaks me out that, well <laughs> think about this dude now i'll be 50 next year so i'm like tripping like i'm like where where the hell when did that happen? I just you turned know? 58. So, I know. Exactly. So it's. I'm closer to 60 than you are to 50. I know. Well, it's like, well, no, you're closer to 50 by a year, but still, it's it blows your mind. Right. Because this, what we do respectively keeps us young, in my right. opinion. That's exactly it. Totally. it it's it's the, the culture, is, it responds to the energy of youth. It doesn't even necessarily have to be youth, like as, from a physical standpoint, but that spirit, that energy, the 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 in your face the attitude like it definitely is all infused in that yeah but the cool thing is is that our older fans have grown with us so they appreciate the fact that we're we're not trying too hard you know like we're not try hard with a vengeance which is you can hear it on bands that think they have to chase something 
and it comes off as very fake and just and kind of limp and lifeless, you know, with, where with us, we've always just kind of written from our heart. You know, it's like if we want to do something heavy, we're going to go there. But if we want to do something lighter, we're going to go there, too. And there's something that that kind of differentiate that. It's like we come at it from the standpoint of even a slow song can be heavy. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it all Listen to the song on... Black Sabbath. Exactly. I mean, that, yeah. That's exactly Heaviest it. thing ever. So for me, it, it's, it's more about the fact that our fans appreciate what we put out there because they just love the fact that we're doing new music and we're still doing it at a level that doesn't feel like we're forcing it, you know, and, and they appreciate it even more. They know it's coming from a very, like a real, like an honest spot. Do you, uh, be, I mean, I, as before you got here, I was talking on the air and I was saying one of the reasons why I love hanging and talking with you so much is because often when we get together, we talk about all these other bands that we love and our history and experience with them and shows we went to. Cause you're like me at, at your right. core, you're a music fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, we're going to talk about Slipknot and, and other stuff. And, and you got a new record. Again, the record's coming September 30th. But um, as a Metallica fan, I'm just trying to make this kind of connection. As a Metallica fan, when you first heard the Black Album, what were your thoughts? Oh, I was... <sighs> it's weird because it was actually in two stages. I remember studying Enter Sandman like it was the Subruder film. I for real. Like I mean me and my friends we were blown away by the production, the, just how good it sounded and yet so thick. We were just like how the how did they do this? Like what is this, you know? And I I can remember us just I mean we taped it off we taped it off the radio just so we could hear it because before the full album came before out. Before the full album right. came out, man, I I can remember us trying to tape it off of MTV off the video, like just holding the ghetto blaster up to us. Like, ah, it sounds like garbage. We got to have it. We got to get it off the radio. So we were sitting there with you know the record hit and then the pause. And as soon as it's like when they queued it up, we we're like, oh go, you know, just and waiting all day yeah. because it, that's what you did back then, yeah, of course. Um, I sat in front of MTV with my remote on my VCR countless times right. ready to release pause uh, when a rock video when came a rock out. Had just to put together a good collage tape so you could sit back and watch it unedited and just just get the video and just skip over madonna and just get to try exactly man yeah <laughs> you'd, you'd be rec recording all the hard 30s hard 60s yeah. all the um uh every episode of the Headbangers dial tv Ball. yeah absolutely i still have i got boxes of vhs tapes i from, had from my mixed and I video lost tapes it. Yeah. yeah yeah i don't have a vcr i gotta find that yeah. but i've oh, got, I've got the tapes. one I'll, I'll sell it to you <laughs> I'll um, walk over and grab it when we're right, done. Right, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we were losing our minds on this song. Like, we were just like, this is, you know, people have to realize, I mean, this was before it, it became our generation's, you know, stairway to heaven. Yeah, right, like, exactly. This was, we'd never heard anything like it. We were just blown away. And then the album came out, and I was just like, I, I was like, okay, but it's, it sounds great, but where's, where's the heavy stuff? You know, like mm -hmm. there were songs that definitely came close, like Holier Than Thou, sure. which that I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to cover that when they asked me to be a part of the blacklist. Right. Uh, you're yeah, on that. I'm on the, uh, yeah. the record, the companion record. Mm -hmm. And we had Lars on about this. The companion record to the recent reissue of the Black Album mm -hmm. has like five CDs and like. 
tons of artists covering songs. And the interesting thing about that was there are like eight different versions of right. like you could you, you were able to pick whichever song you wanted to. They right? they gave us a list of the ones that were available. There there were some that they had been un, overdone, and I wasn't going to do the usual suspects anyway because I didn't I don't I don't I don't like touching singles. I right. wanted I want the deep tracks. I want right, the, right. the B sides or whatever. So, but holier than thou was my favorite song on that album, you know, and it was either that or um, I think of Wolf and Men. That's the other like, one I was going to tell yeah, you. It would have been cool for that you to one's do. Sick, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was like, you know, but I was looking for stuff like that, and I wasn't getting that masters vibe or that you know justice vibe. I was like, where's, where is it? Like you know and. It took me a long time to really appreciate that album, you know, and I think a lot of people would would agree that it probably took, you know, the load albums coming out for us to go back and go, God, what was I thinking? Well, how good does this album sound now? <laughs> and that's not knocking those two albums because at the time, I mean, that was such a departure, right. you know. But, dude, yeah, I mean, it took me. I remember the first time I heard. Uh, nothing else matters. Like the the look on my face, my friend went, "Jesus, you really don't like this song, dude." I was just like, because I had the suck face. I was right. just like, what "The <laughs> hell is this?" So yeah, I mean, but but at, of course, over time, man, a good song is a good song, and you can't deny that, you know. And it taught me a very valuable lesson that you have to force change on people. I mean, nobody likes stuff that's different right away. You have to you have to drag them kicking and screaming into where you need to go because that's the only way you're going to get anybody there. Right. You know, assuming that people are going to change with you is is a lesson in insanity, you know, because there's no way it's going to happen. You have to make the change and just drag the people along with you. So the reason why I bring this comparison up is not and again, I've not heard the full new record, but I, I've right. heard the three songs that are out. And you're talking about this openness and willingness among Slipknot to be able to expand and right. experiment and try different things. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys were never a band that got a tremendous amount of radio, right? I mean, you got it. You get a lot of. You got a ton of fans globally. You're an arena right. act. I get that, but it wasn't really built off of a Sandman level song. No, I mean there were some songs that came close. But you have to realize it was such a different landscape back then. You know, I remember Sandman, when Wait and Bleed came out, and, right. I, and, and that was like the song. That was, that well, that was the song, but then Duality was the song, right? which is massive. You know, and The great thing about us is that we get radio play, but the cool thing is, is that our exposure for our singles aren't limited to radio. So you'll get stuff like Duality in a video game or you'll get it in you know you'll get it from one of the closers that, that play for the dodgers walks out to it every night you know mm. and at least that's the way it was 10 years ago but before i forgets the same way before i forget became massive because of um the video game um rock rock vault uh, not rock vault um um you know what I'm talking about? Not Guitar Hero. Yes, Guitar, Guitar Hero. Hero. Yeah, okay. that's it. That's it. Um, rock Band was the one that I was thinking rock about, band, but right. this was actually Guitar Hero. That song blew up, and I can tell. I can, 
I remember all these kids coming up. It's just like I heard you guys through Guitar Hero, and I was like, "What? What the? What are you talking about?" Like that. So there's so many different venues that just weren't open to Metallica back then. That now there's so many different ways for people to. I know people who are blowing up on the Heretic Anthem because of TikTok, because of like this 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 30 second clip that was from our live DVD Disaster Pieces that was 20 years ago. And that's just this one clip of us doing the five, five, five. And people lost their minds. They're like, this is satanic. I love it. Like, it's just like, yeah, but it's not. You and know? You're, 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 it's such a good point that now there are so many other ways to make a big song. Right. Speaking of Metallica, look what just happened with the Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I mean, Master it's Puppets. It's insane, right. I, I, could, I couldn't understand. And I said on the air, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why is this a thing? Because who has not heard Master of Puppets? Like, how could this happen? But then I realized something. My kids watch Stranger Things. Right. They're 15 and 18. Right. That they don't. And and even though they're my kids, they're not in this world. They're not. They're not metal fans or whatever. They do their own thing. They do their own thing, which is fine. But they then I thought about it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I took a step back. I'm like, okay, well, my kids don't know they know who metal i took my son actually to see metallica so they know who they are right but um they don't know the song master puppets they don't listen to it there so that in the context of that exposure to someone 15 years old that's a brand new song it's a brand new discovery right and it happened through through a netflix tv show right i think master puppets charted again or something because yeah. of it yeah it, it's crazy it's this whole social media effect look at what happened with the guy on the skateboard drinking the cranberry juice and dreams with Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac, Mac right. came back and charted again after not being on the charts for 40 years or something like that. Like it's just such a strange universe we live in now that these songs no longer relegate themselves to a certain format and which is, which is fine but it also makes it the Wild West because you don't know how to really promote it. You kind of have to do it all over the place now right. instead of just... And something like that, which is so random and so special, like, like going back to the Metallica thing with Master of Puppets, it, you, couldn't have, you couldn't have set that up and, and realized that was going to happen. That was such a special, special moment that nobody could have planned for right and and good for them man because master puppets is the greatest heavy metal album of all time and i'll i'll go on record as saying that and that's to me that to me that's it's it starts and ends with that album i could see somebody being your age saying that but when you listen to the number of the beast but when here's you the thing. To I'm talking about from start or to finish. Four. Those albums, to me, have songs that you can skip over. Definitely. I mean, and I love all of those albums. Right. However, Master Puppets, it's one of those top tens that you can put. Well, I'll on, give you a top ten. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To me, to me, it, it's it's definitely my my greatest like album in the top five. That's the one that's at the top, but was it the first Metallica record you got? No, no. The um, the first one I got was actually a, a mixtape that a, a buddy burned for me of Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning. 
So the first two albums were out when you got into Metallica. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you and were young. When when it when when puppets hit, I went out and bought it, saved up money and bought it, and then I remember standing in line to buy Justice, like waiting, like like with my money, like shaking, like right. So did you like Justice? I loved Justice. I I here's the thing: when I was young, I didn't understand shit like mixing and and stuff like that, and realize right. that. You know, there was no bass on it because all of the stereos that I listened to it on sucked. So it didn't really <laughs> matter. You know, to me, I was just listening to the songs. Right. You know, I was just like, this is fucking incredible. You know, <laughs> right. so for me, yeah, it, it wasn't even about Sonics at that point. It wasn't until later I learned and I was, you know, kind of learning my craft that I realized I was like, oh, yeah, it does kind of sound thin. Doesn't it? Right, <laughs> so right, you go right, to look right. and try to find bootlegs that people have recorded that added the bass to it and whatnot. Right. I have that. I have a version of uh, Blackened with bass. Right, actually. yeah, which is heavy as hell. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, my God, you know? I so, think we know we may have had it. We'll leave him nameless, but I think we'll, I mentioned off the air, but I think the same guy may have sent it to us. He's a, <laughs> he's a producer that you worked with oh, on yeah, some solo yeah. stuff. Certain, um, certain canoe. Certain yeah, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But all right, so so obviously, we, well, we could talk about Metallica forever, right. but you yeah. got a you got a Slipknot record coming out again, September thirtieth. Right. Um, the end so far. Many have read into the title of the record and wonder and speculated: Does this mean the end of Slipknot? Yeah. Well, I mean, people have been talking about the end of Slipknot since two thousand three, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, I if if I had a nickel for every time I've had to straighten fans out i'd have a, a shit ton of nickels let's put it that way um but you know nobody nothing sells albums like drama let's put it that way and even drama that doesn't even come from us it just comes from the fans and right i and i but at the same time i kind of started saying on stage you know explaining what the title is you know it's the it's the fact that it's, it's the end so far which is just means it's the end of one era and the start of the next, you know, like, because if you look at all of our favorite bands, you brought up Maiden, you know, Metallica, Sabbath, you can even talk about uh, Judas Priest and all, like all these bands that we grew up on loving um, and our and our friends in Anthrax as well. You know, every one of those bands has had different eras in their career absolutely it's never been a straight line there's no through line except for the members and that every era comes to a natural end and then it's the next one so to me that's what the title reflects is but you don't think the era, era you don't think the era changes with the change in lineups because they've all had lineup changes i do but at the same time you can still have the end of one era and the beginning of another with the same band members right you know what i'm true. saying yeah, yeah. so to me it's you know it, it can be a reflection of the fact that you have different members or you're just moving in a different direction you know for me it's more about just letting the fans know that we will be back and to remind them that you just never know what you're going to get with us you know i mean for i mean every album has always felt different it's always sounded different mm -hmm. um and to me, I feel like this era is more about us dealing with the grief that we've had to deal with mm -hmm. and now kind of getting to the point where we can now move on comfortably into the future. And it's not about that. Like, it's, it's a part of our history now. It's not 
our narrative and mm. now we can kind of move on and kind of see what the future what the future holds for slipknot what musically where we can go now because of the way we've done things we've set it up so we can go in any direction we want um and as long as it comes from the heart it doesn't matter so that's kind of the era i think that's being set up now is this the next era will definitely be more of like a gloves off let's just see what happens and go for it. Well, it's sounding like, from what you're talking about this record, that this is the first step in that direction in yeah. terms of the variety yeah. that, that's on it. Uh, talk about actually making the record, because you, even throughout COVID, yeah. you were super active. I mean, yeah. you did your own solo record. You, in my, if I'm correct, you were pretty much like one of the first artists to go out and tour yeah. in COVID. Uh, yeah. You guys went out there, and I know you bubbled as much as you could, and you went. But but if I'm my recollection's correct, with your solo band, you you were you were like one of the great explorers going out there into the great unknown, right? There were a lot of people watching us. Yeah, there were a lot of eyes on us, and so much so that it was it kind of made us paranoid for a while, you know. And we were doing clubs, you know. I mean, we're doing tiny clubs with 25% capacities. We were, you know, they were bubbles at tables that, you know, they had to mask up um, for the most part. Was there part. actually a like a get smart type bubble? No, I wish. God, that would have been right. Because rad. I've seen, like, at times, like my the kids are in marching bands that. and stuff, but no, bands, marching bands have done Oh, that. right, right, right. It was right. actually put, at some point, put tents around people. Uh, no, we, what, what we did was anybody who, was anybody who was coming together had to show a negative test or a vaccination card at least 24 hours before the show or whatever like and anybody who was coming with that bubble had to show the same thing and they all sat at the same table that it it was it was pockets man like it was it was very it was very much like playing who, a dinner who, theater right well who like again i can't for people that don't know Corey put out a great solo record, CMFT, and went out and toured with a solo band. And really, again, to my recollection, one of the first bands to do so before yeah. we were anywhere close to where we are now, where there was still massive restrictions. Right. And now you have, on some tours, COVID compliance officers and all of these. Uh, we have them on Slipknot, yeah. I'm sure you do. Yeah. But, but this was when this was like, you know, this thing was really popping. Very, very. So who laid down, like, where did the direction come from on how you should do it? it I mean, it was really kind of me walking through it with Live Nation, you know, because everybody was kind of talking about how do we open this back up, you know? And I was already thinking about going out and do it because I had done a charity gig in L.A. at this little club that my buddy uh, Greg Grunberg owns. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's also the place where we shot the video for Samantha's Gone. It's that same room, very small, very intimate. And we did a charity gig for about 12 people. And it was uh, one person and a guest. And they sat, they all sat six feet apart from each other, you know, in masks. And we just did a, a show and just had fun with it. And <coughs> it was. Uh, you know, it kind of inspired us to go, okay, well, it's been a couple months. Nobody got sick. Everybody was fine. How do we do this 
on a tour. How do we do that on a tour? And that's when we started looking at like, you know, club size rooms, but with a smaller capacity. And then that's when I was like, well, let's just do pods. Let's do little, you know, bubbles. Well, we call them pods. And the people who came in those pods, you could do six to a, a six to a pod. Um, you had to guarantee that the people who were with you were either vaccinated or had a, a negative test within 24 hours. And we were really stringent. The first run, we were really, really stringent on it. And it went so well that we got a little lax on the second one. And that's when we all got COVID. Right, right. But the first one, man, was it went really, really well, you know? And it was because we were overly cautious. Right. You know? And, and because of that, everybody had fun. Everybody was so stoked to, do, to just be at a show that they respected all of the, the rules that we put into place. You're talking about the audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I mean, and it, you know, it sucked because we couldn't hang with the audience, which we usually love to do. But at the same time, it was just like we were just so thrilled to be doing what we loved to do that it didn't matter. It was like, look, we'll take the good with the bad for right now, but let's just – Let's just see if we can get this thing going again. Yeah. yeah. How has um, you just got back from touring with Slipknot? You yeah. just were in Europe, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. So how has the how have the dates gone so far with Slipknot that you've done? I know you got a whole another run coming up and uh, uh, Not Fest stuff and all of that, but yeah. the stuff you've done and and the stuff you just did in Europe, what was that like? It was awesome. I mean, because yeah. you got to remember we we hadn't been to Europe in th- what, three years. Um, when we came back, which would have been, when did the shutdown happen? It was 19, right? Or 20. It was the beginning of 2020. Probably. So we had just gotten back from Europe when, when it was really starting to hit in Southeast Asia. And I can remember telling Brennan, I was just like, there's no way we're going. And Your he's manager. Like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, no, no. I was like, no, there's no way we're going. Because I, even I knew that there was something up. I didn't realize how big it was going to be, but I knew that there was something because we were supposed to go to Southeast Asia like three weeks later. Like it would have been right in the middle of it. So when we got back from Europe, we were home for a month and then everything shut down. Mm. And I mean completely. So we hadn't been to Europe in almost three years. And the reaction was so massive, dude, that... I mean, well, first of all, we got to do cool stuff. Like we headlined Vakken for the first time. We had never even played Vakken. For people that don't know, that's a massive festival in Germany. One of the biggest heavy metal festivals of all time. It's probably one of the greatest just for the history of it and the legacy of it. It has such a respect for, for heavy metal. And it is so respected by the fans you know, that the, the fact that we actually got to play it is huge to me. Like that's to can't me, believe you didn't do it sooner. I well, but the thing is, it, it makes sense. If you look at all the festivals that we have played in Germany to begin with, mm-hmm. we usually are always locked with Rock and Ring, Rock and Park, uh, Full Force or and there's another one. I can't think of it that, that, that happens in Germany. But so we were always locked up with them. So we never even got the offer because we had already played Germany like six times in the summer festival area, you right. know? 
so to be able to to do it now and, and it was dude it was massive it was crazy and it 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 just it meant so much to us and we actually got to do the first not fest germany as well which was really good um the reaction was just it was incredible it, we we knew that it was going to be special but i mean dude it was it was off the charts and are you playing either uh, well there's yen just came out but previous to that Chapel Town Rag came out a mm. while ago. Like that was the first November. Yeah, we we did it. We actually de- uh, debuted it at Nutfest LA, which we did in the soccer arena mm. in, or soccer stadium. Excuse me. And the, so that was November fifth of last year is when we when it came out, and it was the teaser. Um, we started playing the dying song. I was going to ask you if yeah, you, if yeah, you we've put been that playing in. that live, and people are popping like crazy on that. Like yeah. they, they, they like that even more than Chapel Town, which is rad, you know. So, um, I know there's talk of adding Yen to the set because um, we've always been the kind of band that doesn't shy from adding new material, yeah, you know, and really let you know letting people explore it live and and get into it because it makes them even more excited for the album. So. Yeah, it's 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 really good. On Yen, the video is uh, about six and a half minutes long. Yeah, is the song itself actually that long, or no. did you add stuff because of the video? Uh, clown, is it at the end with the piano part? Is that actually in the song, or is that just done for the video? That's a melody line that's in there, but it's not in the song. But the way the video ends, just at the p- little right. piano, that's not actually in the song. No, no, that's not in. the it's song. It's so cool. It's yeah. so the vid- if You guys have not seen it. I mean, the, there's the did you? There's a video for Chapel Town or no? Uh, there's a live video for Chapel. Talk. Okay, there's a video for Dying Song. Dying Song yeah. video and Yen actually, and and we all know that the images and the graphics and the production on the Slipknot stuff is insane, um, but the video for Yen is so cool. And then, but that I love the. It's a little mini movie. It yeah. starts off with the build up and then it ends with the right. little like really weird, creepy sounding little piano hits and yeah. it's just so cool, man. Where did you do that? We did that. Oh God, we did it in a, in a mansion actually in L.A. We shot both videos in three days, and we just went in and banged them back to back, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, we I can't remember the name of the place, but it's actually that they moved all of the stuff from the Getty Museum to this to this to this mansion, and it's been there for a while. Um. And you're in it sans mask at yeah, some point. I wrote, yeah, I wrote the treatment for it. Oh, you did? I, yeah, I wrote the treatment for this for the video. And we were able to really kind of explore some really cool stuff. And Clown had a blast with the with the visuals. Did and, he direct yeah, it? He directed it, okay. yeah. And uh, it's cool. You know, we're kind of getting back into the habit of, like, collaborating. Because that's the way we used to do it was I would write the treatment and then Clown would direct it. So it really kind of worked, you know? Um and this is kind of like kind of getting back to that. And he's just, he's got such a great eye. For he's done some for movies. Art. Yeah. For people yeah. that don't know, he's yeah. directed he's, them. Yeah. He's an incredible director. Yeah. So, yeah, I just to let him, like, he's at his happiest when he's creating art. And for him, that's all videos are, is, is art. Like for him, making sure that everything kind of lines up and whatever. I mean, that's for the people who, you know, kind of hold down 
the the physical or the practical for him he's thinking about you know the dimensions and the colors and everything so for him to just get unleashed on that is i mean the proof's in the pudding all you have to do is watch that video. it's such an acid trip of a video that's it's really really good i love it it is i i watched it last night before i went to bed and i'm like turning the light on here yeah this is it's, a <laughs> it's a little creepy it's a little creepy just everything about it, it's just but it's very 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 cool i mean right. i i really thought it was uh awesome and beyond the video i love the song honestly the right. song was great the hook in the song is great yeah i mean it, it's 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 really cool but this running time on the song itself on the record uh, probably like what four minutes like four four minutes four okay. and a half I, we did we did a uh we did a radio edit um, and got it down to about three forty-five or something like that. But the regular one is closer to five minutes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 super cool. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, "I'm okay," when the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, "Hang it in there," because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel um anyway uh solo record yeah you said you have some news yeah yeah um cmf2 which i'm uh recording um january february of next year that we're going to go in and and just and bang it out and and get it ready and then once i'm done touring with slipknot um gonna kind of gonna throw together a really rad rock is back kind of tour for for the solo stuff and and start bringing out some of the younger uh maybe not even some of the younger rock bands but just some of the bands that just don't get the chance because of you know or just don't get the the looks that you know are afforded to either a pop bands and hip-hop bands or people like me who are kind of grandfathered in you know so people get the attention so i'm going to try and really kind of you know fly the rock flag awesome. and give some opportunities to some of the the younger bands or maybe even just the mid-level bands that just haven't had a shot because there's so many great bands out there it's the number one thing Corey, that i talk about with people is like i I have this saying i say all the time the good news is anybody can make music and videos right the bad news is anybody can make music and videos right meaning it's created this glut it's it's irrelevant to some if you have a record label or not how do you stand out above the pack? Right. And the other problem I see happening, and I, I brought this up a few times on the air, when I was growing up, and you're you're you know uh, younger than me about by about ten years, but right. still, relative speaking, going to shows around the same time, it was very common to go see a, an arena act and not know who the opening band was. Right. And the opening band was on their first record, unknown, but direct support, and there was so much discovery of new music right. that way. Much of that has gone by the wayside because the way I view it is touring has become so competitive. Right. Back then, you toured to sell the record. Now right. the record's almost the promo item for the tour. Right. And the music is just click and listen, whatever, if you want. So I think that because of the pressure on bands to make sure that their show sells strong, almost everybody now brings a very established opening act. Right. 
as the main support. And if there is a third band, they might be a buy-on or something that's playing 30 minutes and there's nobody in the building when they play anyway. Exactly. So there's yeah. not a lot of mechanism, in it, which is why I love when bands uh, team up, like Dirty Honey and Dorothy came together. Right. Wolfgang Van Halen and uh, you know May- Rival Sons, who I love, teaming up with STP recently. Right. That stuff is great because those get to just... You know as better than as anybody. It's about getting the eyes and ears on it. Exactly. And and that would be great if you're able to do that. Yeah. Do you have bands in mind? Yeah, I have a, a bunch of bands. Actually, it's funny you said Rival Sons because I would love to do like a co-headlining thing with them. Oh, which amazing. Would, which would destroy. Like, yeah. Because they're one of my favorite bands. Me too. Bar none. You Me know? too. Um, but there's a bunch of like younger bands and I say younger, but uh, I mean, everybody's younger than me. So it doesn't really, <laughs> no, um, but there's a, there's a great band called Beach Slang. Uh, which is, I think they're out of, they're, they're out of Philly, I think. Um, but they're probably one of my favorite bands out there right now. They've been around for, I think, less than 10 years, but uh, they, they just have a great kind of almost like punk alternative kind of almost like uh, almost like a, a Buffalo sound, kind of like old school um, Goo Goo Dolls. Like oh before, wow! Before they started writing radio hits, right? More the garage Goo Goo dolls, like when they were on Metal like Blade. Metal Blade, yeah. yeah. Which is how I found them, you yeah. know. So they have a great and the, the great singer songwriter vibe. Great albums, really great songs. Um, it's yeah, it, it's definitely something to check out. Uh, obviously, Joyous Wolf is a band that I'd love to take out. Actually, working with our favorite canuck nick you know? the singer texted me the other day because i was in la last week we almost got together but yeah right. working with jay right now on some stuff there's just so many of those bands there's that great level. bands and, and i honestly don't want to keep it to one side of rock or another i want to bring out bands that maybe stylistically don't even fit with what i do but it's still rock and it's still attitude you know like the australian punk bands that are that are so good right now, like Amel and the Sniffers, which that band is so damn good. Like if you're into punk rock and that kind of almost indie punk, it's yeah, there's it's 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 really, really good. How much of the next CMFT record is it, you said you didn't record yet, but have you written everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, so done. it's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's about 15 songs. Um, and yeah, again, it's. It's one of those cool things where some of it's older stuff that I've written over the years. And there's actually a couple songs that some of the fans know because I debuted them live when I was doing the JBKB thing. Um, and uh, so there's a song like Beyond, song like Breath of Fresh Smoke. All like Both of those songs are getting recorded and released finally after, God, how many goddamn years would it be? It's probably about 14 years, 16 years. Um but then a, a, a bunch of newer stuff, and uh, there's definitely a darker edge to it. I mean, it's still very melodic, but there's definitely I'm still I'm I'm definitely starting to kind of bring together the the things that I'm known for, uh, and it's less an homage of the stuff that I grew up on and more of what people are used to hearing from me. But still a solo album, so there's still great rock and roll on it. There's some heavier stuff, but there's some really great slower stuff. 
it's it's going to be really rad. When you tour as a solo artist, obviously you're you're at a totally different level than Slipknot because, as right. you just said, you're in clubs, you're in theaters, yeah. and uh, it's a whole different thing that you're doing. But what percentage of fans would you say of the touring you've done with the solo band are Slipknot fans right. or fans that maybe necessarily aren't into Slipknot or but are loving fans. or Stone yeah. Sour fans right. or loving what you're and loving what you're doing there? Like, do you think it's like fifty percent Slipknot and fifty like? The other world, or what did you feel I mean, in, in the it's, audience? It's interesting because I think it's this weird, almost like there's almost like three sides to the audience. There's the one side that is really into Slipknot. There's the one side that's in the Stone Sour, but then there's the the following that I've built by doing acoustic solo shows over the years, which I've done many, and I've really been able to create a great fan base just based off of the stuff that I would go out and do on my own, you know? So it's really this cool amalgam of band or of fans getting into the new stuff that I do now and not realizing that it's like, Oh my God, this all like certain songs really fit together. You know, like if I do slipknot stuff, which is usually snuff or I'll do uh, wait and bleed, it fits really well with some of the edgier stuff that was on CMFT, but also fits in with some of the stuff that I wrote with, with Stone Sour. So it's this great kind of meeting of the crossroads, you know, where all everything kind of just kind of fits into place, you know? And I, I love it because I love watching the different par- parts of the audience light up when they hear cool things and then they realize it's like, oh, I came here as a Slipknot fan, but I love all this cool stuff now, you know, like all this other stuff that I was listening to, I'm going to go and check out now because I, you know, hearing it in this context, I, I want to hear more. You mentioned Stone Sour. Last time I asked you about that, you said that's basically like hiatus, not something yeah. you're going to revisit. Stay, same case? Same, yeah, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. So yeah. do you have a desire to want to do that at some point again? Or, or do, I don't know. do you think the solo thing kind the of... solo thing's more where my heart is to be honest it's like to me I've, I've done the time doing stuff in a for lack of a better term a band situation and the reason i stick with with slipknot is because that to me is is the one that kind of started everything um but at stone sour there's still so much drama and it's just issues that, among the members yes uh that it's just not to me, it's just not something I desire to do. And songs in Stone Sour that I want to play are the ones that I wrote in the first place. So it's to me, I would rather go out with a group of dudes who I've known forever and have a great time and just playing these songs and, and have the audience enjoy it because they see a bunch of dudes up there enjoying it. Then try to force issues on an audience that they don't really need to that nobody really wants to be a part of let's put it that way that being said i mean you built a big audience and following with stone sour i mean yeah. a lot of work went into that for people that don't know that was your band prior to joining slipknot yeah. so you got a huge history there 
And you, that thing, I mean, I know that double record, House of, uh, House of Golden, Golden Bones, Bones yeah. it, it was amazing. I mean, so you put a lot into that. So there's, it's got to be a little bit difficult, I would think, to almost leave that on the shelf. I know you're happy doing the solo thing, right. but there's still a lot of name value. There's still a lot of radio recognition there. Yeah. So it's, it's got to be a tough, I, I would think, thing to reconcile to some yeah. degree. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a bitter pill yeah. to swallow, you know, but I've also reached an age where I refuse to waste any time with people who I don't enjoy being with. Let's put it that way. And it's, and, and that's saying more than I actually should be saying, you mm. know, it's when it comes to my bands, I'm very, I know in the past I've been very open to talking about it, but I'm very reticent about talking about things that deal with people who I care about, you mm -hmm. know, um, and whether there are issues or not, I still care about them, you know, so it's, so it's tough. So I, I have to rein myself in cause I don't, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus because nine times out of 10, I could be the problem too. So I just know that at this point in my life, I have more reason to love the solo thing than I do to try and do something with stone sour. Now, Am I saying that it'll never happen? No, because you never know. Something might come up and we could get an opportunity and we could get an opportunity to do something for charity and we all get together and we do something really, really cool. But my immediate plans right now, they're no stone sour in the future. Yeah, and you're in a great position because you can you can build something new like your solo thing, which right. you're doing, but you've got this behemoth in Slipknot right. where you can go play the stadiums and arenas around the world and yeah. headline festivals and have that and the, the financial stuff that that brings where you're not so stressed right. where you're in a club like, oh shit, I got to sell X amount of merch to make sure I can put gas in the right. van. I mean, right. you're not in that situation. I Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky in the fact that, you know, there's a lot of momentum for the solo thing, but... At the same time, like if if it if it just evened out right here, I'd still be happy because I do have Slipknot. Sure. You know? So it's like, yeah, I, I kind of got the best of both worlds. Talk, we're going to grab a call or two here in a second, but tell me about uh, the upcoming touring with Slipknot. Now, did I see, I think I saw this correctly, the... Uh, it's it's a weird thing because some of the guys in the band are even saying don't call it a reunion, but then they're just billing it as Pantera and all of that. Right. But th those dates are th some of them are on shows you're headlining. Not right? well, not fest, right? Yeah, the yeah. Pantera stuff. Yeah, uh, some of the yeah the not fest shows that we're doing in South America. Yeah, um, there. I mean, first of all, it's I'm stoked to get them, you know, and I know everybody. In you know in that band, I knew everybody in the the prior band, so it's it's interesting. I know there's a lot of debate about it. Um, all I'm going to say is that I'm stoked to see these songs played live. Mm -hmm. um, I'm stoked to see it done with respect. Whether anybody wants to admit that or not, uh, these fans online they want to admit this or not. You're dealing. You're talking about two dudes who not only knew the brothers from years ago, Charlie and Zach, but, right? but knew them before Pantera was even a thing. They were friends with those guys from when Pantera was still playing clubs, and they would go and hang out with them when those relative, like the respective bands, would go 
and play Dallas. They would mm-hmm. go and hang out with those dudes. So then when Pantera becomes massive, lo and behold, they're touring with their friends, man. So you can't get a better drummer than Charlie. You can't get a better guitar player than Zach to to step into those shoes, you know. Is it going to work? I don't know. But to say that it's not the right thing, first of all, it's not for anybody else to say except for Phil and Rex because those guys, they were in the band, you know. So let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and let's see what happens. I agree that you can't find... Uh, I mean, the minute it got announced, I mean, Charlie texted me and Zach was on and they, they all said the same thing. I mean, I know, and like you, I've known those guys, I've known them longer. I mean, right. I, both of them from the New York, New Jersey area, but going back. So, and I've known all the guys and I know, you know, Rex and Phil, I know all those guys. And I do believe it's coming from a place of, of grit. Well, it's a couple of things you got. It's hard to believe it's been over like 15 years since they didn't, more than that, since right. they didn't play. Right. And there's a whole generation of people like my producer, Joel, who's in New York right now. When we talked about it, when the news came out, he never saw Pantera. Right. Now, again, I'm, I would be on the record as saying to anybody, you're, not, you're still not seeing Pantera. Right. But you're going to see two members of Pantera doing, with two fantastic other musicians, right. doing a tremendous rendition, I'm sure, of Pantera songs. Right. I, I saw Pantera play a club at a place in Asbury Park, New Jersey, called the Fast Lane, for about 22 people on a Tuesday night, the right. first time I saw them. Right. So I, I'm old. <laughs> I had that opportunity. <laughs> but for others, there's, a, there's a, going to be a great interest in this. Above and beyond that aspect of it, what's, what's, what, you guys are going to go out-out, or are you going to do like short runs? What's the plan for Slipknot with the record coming yeah, out? Yeah, I mean, for now, we're just kind of doing hit-and-run stuff because obviously we've been touring for the last year, um, just on, you know, when, when everything kind of opened back up, we were one of the first to really go back out there and, and headline some of these festivals and whatnot. So we started what it, it would be next, next month will be one year ago from when we started doing it again. So we've already been out for going on a year, you know? So I think we've got another six, seven months of, of kind of, hitting spots that we haven't been to in a while. Um, we've got this two and a half week run in the States coming up, uh, starting September 20th. We're doing the South American run, which has some, uh, well, there's Mexico and then there's South America. Obviously uh, we're doing hell and heaven festival. We're doing the not fest shows in Chile and Argentina uh, Brazil, I think is in crowds there. have to be. I've been to some of those places because that it's, metal show was on there. And, the, and the, when I landed on the plane, there were people at the airport right. because of my TV yeah. show. Yeah. I can't imagine what, what is in the history of, of Slipknot? What is the, and this is going to be saying a lot. Cause I've, I saw you guys at download. I've seen right. places like that. What was from your vantage point as the lead singer of the band, the most insane show you played so far, oh, dude, Oh, man. Whether it's numbers, reaction, it audience. has to be honestly. It has to be the first time we played Mexico City, the first time we played Mexico. Period. Because you got to remember, we had never been there. It was one of the last places that we actually got to, and I want to say it was 2016. 
by the time we actually even got there, man. So, so you're mega established at it, that point. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, people are mad at us. We had played South America and we hadn't played Mexico. Yeah. So we were like, I, and it, we, it would come up, but then it would go away because for whatever reason, whether it was the promoters or the fact that, you know, things would happen and it would get shut down. And we were just like, are we just never going to play Mexico? I mean, I played Mexico before. I, I played Mexico with Stone Sour before right. Slipknot did. So when we finally got there, it was so out of control that I can remember us just looking out going, oh my God, everybody just hold on for dear life, you know? But even then, I mean, it was it was on a level like that was crazy. Brazil was crazy. Russia. Dude, Moscow, the first time we played Moscow was, dude, there were pits opening up and there were dudes with flares, lit road <laughs> flares. Like, I mean, it looked like something out of Star Wars, man. It was insane. Um, Japan. I, I'm, I, I, I hazard to guess that maybe we were the band that kind of broke the politeness of Japan. Because when we went there, everybody was like, oh, you're, it, it's going to freak you out, but they're going to be super quiet, dur- like like during the song, and they're gonna they're gonna lose their mind, and then they're gonna go super. That quiet goes again. back to the seventies. Exactly. Like if you go look at old Cheap Trick or Kiss videos, right. I was told they actually have like the equivalent of at that time of like a stoplight, right. where if it's green, you can in Japan right. you can stand up and applaud. When it's red, you have to stay seated and stay quiet. And dude, they. Did neither of those things. I mean, it <laughs> they was ran the light. all out. It was all out from the second we played. It was insane, dude. I mean, this was, they almost killed us. The the, the Japanese fans almost killed us. We That's totally uncharacteristic for that. We ran from the gig into a shuttle van. We were still in our gear. There was no backstage area. We had to go and change at the hotel, right? The fans followed us out. They surrounded the van and they're shaking it like we were the Beatles. And I'm telling you right now, we're all in it going, oh, this is crazy, right? And then and not realizing that, oh, we're going to die. This is, this is real death that we're talking about right now. I'd never seen anything like it, dude. And that was, and I was like, God, if the, if the Japanese fans are like, what the hell are we getting ourselves into? We've just got this crazy this crazy response from our fans, man. Like it really doesn't matter where we are. They just go off and it's a gift. (laughs) How how do you feel physically? You mentioned you're 48, 49 years old. You are anybody that's seen Slipknot and seen what Corey does. It's very physical. You're all over the stage. I see you wearing a Fitbit. I can't imagine what that looks like after. Do you ever wear it on stage? Yeah. You wear it under your. Oh, absolutely. 25,000 steps. I was going to ask, what are your steps on stage at a Slipknot show? It's ridiculous. I broke 30,000 one night, which is insane because I was just running. (laughs) I mean, it was crazy. Um, But do you feel all right? Do you feel good? uh, I mean, I feel 48. Let's put it that way. Um, I mean, you look good, but I mean, you've had problems. You've had, you know, physical ailments and stuff. Yeah, I mean, right? I, you know, I had the spinal surgery. Um, I've had both my knees scoped. My knees are still bad. Like, I can't do a lot of the stuff that I used to, and I still I still work out just to, you know, stay healthy and whatnot. Um, you know, neck's still bad. I got issues with my ankles and my tendons, and I mean, 
in addition to being older, I'm also in Slipknot. So right, that's what I mean. Know, it's I mean we're dealing with dog years at this point, you know. Um, but I haven't hit the point where the flesh is weak yet. Whereas to say the will is still there and the 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 passion is still there, and when the energy hits me and the excitement hits me, I still can give it a hundred percent. You know, obviously I'm limited in what I can do, and I'm not trying to jump in the audience anymore. But at the same time, man, I mean when you're so used to physically performing like that and knowing that you can take it to that next level and you can have that explosive, those explosive moments, nothing's going to get in your way. So I, you know, I just, you know, it's, 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 it's harder to calm myself down than it is to, to get through a show. Let's put it that way. Cause I'm always ready to go. And I'm sure that audience that you guys have out there for you, even if you are, dragging or hurting or feeling like shit you get yourself out on that stage and the, and it all washes away for all washes a couple away. hours yeah. i've seen that with a lot of artists i've been backstage with older artists and they're certainly you're not an older artist i mean people way older right and i've been in the dressing room and they'd be ta- they'll talk about their knee or their ankle or their back or their neck or their right. this is bothering me and then i'll watch them walk to the stage and, and barely like man this guy ain't gonna make it through the show right and then the minute the lights go down and the minute the first note hits, it's like they put it all out. I, I did an interview once with Iggy Pop, and it was for TV. And I swear to God, he came in, and he was in the makeup room, and he was slouched over. And this was a, not a different kind of performance because he right. had to be on TV. Right. Not playing, just being an in, doing an interview. And I went in, and I talked to him in the makeup room, and I'm like, hey, I'm Eddie. Nice to meet you. It's an honor. And oh, yeah, cool. And he looked like he had, like, nothing. Like, right. he couldn't. Like, I'm like, this is going to be like pulling teeth. This guy is like dead. Right. And the minute we propped him up in the stool, the minute the light went on, boom, there right. he was. Yeah. Had the same thing happen with Ace Freely. I was driving Ace, back when I worked for a label in the late 80s, doing a radio tour with Ace. We'd pull up in the car. He'd be sleeping. I'm over. This is when he was all <laughs> fucked up, too, right. you know, drinking. Yeah. And I'm like, Ace, the ra- we got to go. And I'd literally carry him into the door of the radio studio, and he'd, I'd prop him up in the chair. Light goes on. Hey, what's going on? You know, yeah. ah, ah. you know the funny thing, and, it, and it's funny you you say that because I don't know if you've read Steve Martin's book that he wrote. I want to say it was about fifteen years ago. I have not. It's it's the one where it's it's not it's not a comedy book. It's actually talking about his years being on the road and uh, and uh, doing stand up, and the fact that. He, one of the great things that he said in that book was he said he he always wanted to do a scientific study of what happens to a performer, whether it's the adrenaline or if there's a, a some unknown chemical that's released into the body when they perform because it takes it because he talks about being sick and being sick as a dog mm. and knowing that you can't cancel and knowing that you can't get out of it and then going in getting on stage and all of a sudden you're just on and you just go. That reminds me of that. Yeah. Like, and it's so fascinating because it's true because I've had shows where I'm I got to go. I got to cut. Oh, They're going to clip me. That's what that music all means. <laughs> um, I got less than 60. Thank you. We got to do more, man. We yeah, didn't, we yeah, didn't stretch the surface. Maybe another round when the record's out. Yeah, absolutely. September 30th, the new Slipknot album, the end so far. Again, bring a cup of sugar next time. I I will. I mean, I'll bring coffee. Let's do that. Uh, Thank you so much, bro. 
Well, so cool of Corey to take time out from his busy schedule and sit in with me at my Vegas place, and we will hopefully do more of that soon, maybe even another round when the Slipknot album is released. And I'm serious about what I was saying with Corey during that interview. I do like the direction the band is going in, a little bit more experimental, at times a little bit more melodic, and um, excited to see what the tour and the full record sounds like when it's released. Again, big thanks to Corey for joining me. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As usual, if you're in the U.S. or Canada, listen to Trunk Nation every day, live, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, new channel, Faction Talk 103. That is the only over-the-air outlet now for the live show on your radio dial, 103 Faction Talk, 3 to 5 Eastern. There are various replays on 103. If you want to hear the show, though, and you can't listen in the live window, please just go to the SiriusXM app, put Trunk Nation in the search, and you can archive the show here, the past episodes, interviews, what have you. And there's a ton of video. Our recent Megadeth special is now on the SiriusXM app. Audio and video. We'll bring that to you as a podcast in the next week or two. But go there now if you're a SiriusXM subscriber to the app. Be sure to watch this stuff. Some great Megadeth. Do five songs. Corey Taylor video, Stephen Piercy video. It's all on the SiriusXM app. At Eddie Trunk on social media. Have a great week hopefully you catch you i'll catch you on the radio if not i'll catch you back here next thursday for another episode of the eddie trunk podcast